thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to open up the scriptures and to share uh, insights from your word with each other and to be shaped by this. This is not just about uh, learning and gaining information. It is that, but it is with the end of having our own hearts conform to the image of Christ so that we might be discipled and trained in the scriptures and that out of that transformation that we would be able to help others as well. And so would you be working that in us this weekend? We're going to hear a lot of messages and have a lot of conversations. And some of the information may be overwhelming, but in the midst of that, would you identify for us particular areas where we need some help and we need change and what you are doing to provide change for us? And so we commend ourselves to you, even this evening as we're thinking about time and priorities. uh, Would you help us uh, to discern carefully what you have for us in the seasons in which you have planted us? We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A little over 20 years ago, I think it was, uh, our daughters were still at home. Our daughters were still quite young. One of our children had ongoing medical issues that necessitated frequent visits to Fort Worth. And so on one particular day, Regine had asked me, hey, can you go with me to Fort Worth tomorrow for Emily's doctor appointment? And I kind of, I don't know that I physically did this, but mentally it's like, yeah, I can man up. I'll, I'll do that and I'll go with her and, you know, I'll fulfill my dad role and I'll, I'll go with her to the doctor. And I said, yeah, let's, let's go. And we made plans for the day. And um, we were driving up to Fort Worth. I don't remember what the conversation was about. I don't remember what we were talking about. It probably was about time priorities and schedule (laughs) based on what she said. I remember exactly where we were on the road when she turned to me and said, everything you do is ministry. I always lose. And um, that was a come to Jesus moment for me. I told the elders when I candidated, however many years prior to that that was, maybe 10 years earlier, the day that my wife comes to me and says, it's me or the ministry, is the day that I'll be turning in my resignation. And honestly, I was wondering, am I headed into that season where I need to get my resignation ready? And we talked and we started making some adjustments. And... um I don't think I'm the only pastor that has heard those kinds of comments. And I suspect it's not just the pastorate that has those kinds of difficulties. That a lot of people live in scenarios in which the pace of life is just unrelenting. And it leaves you stretched exceedingly thin. And, and you just wrestle with, what do I do? How do I get all this stuff done on a given basis, on a given day? Um, a number of years ago, I read a study that was done in the mid-1960s, and they were seeing all the stuff that was going on technologically, right? We didn't have cell phones yet, but they were seeing microwaves and, and how microwaves could speed up the cooking process and for homes and so on, and, and a lot of other advances that were just starting to come. And they were seeing all these time-saving benefits. And so the speculation was by, I think, a congressional study that was done in the, in the mid to late 60s that by 1985, now almost 40 years ago, by 1985, the average work week would be 28 hours because of all the time that was being saved. Well, I'm looking for that 28-hour work week. If you all can find it, let me know, would you? Um, it, ha- it hasn't happened in life. It hasn't happened in ministry. You know, things things fill in and you think, oh, I can make this much money or get this much done in 28 hours. Let me expand out and do this in 40. Well, if I can do this in 40, now 50, now 60, and on it goes. So the question before us today, for us personally, as we're ministering in counseling and discipling, as well as just the question for us as church members and individuals and helping counselees who are struggling, how do we cultivate faithfulness in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own families? And what do we need to be thinking about as we're helping counselees struggle with this? Because you will have counselees that struggle with this. It, it is not an uncommon problem. So let's just think about some common 
biblical principles regarding time and priorities. The first is very simple, very clear. God has ordered our priorities. Um, so then, do not under, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And that verse, Ephesians 5.17, follows his some instruction that I'm going to t- look at just very briefly in a moment. Uh, that follows instruction about how to use your time. And so people, you know, ask the question, well, what's the will of the Lord? He's told us what his will is. In this particular instance, he's told us how we ought to be using our time. Similarly, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. And it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So, so it's the Lord that's given us time. It's the Lord that's given us opportunities. It's the Lord that's given us ministry and people and families. And everything that we do is not in service of others, but in service of the Lord. That's fundamental. That's foundational. So he's ordered our priorities. Secondly, he has ordered our days and he has given us enough time to fill our priorities. So He's numbered our days. That's Psalm 139 and a host of other passages. But did anybody just bow up just ever so slightly at the last bit of that? He's given us enough time for everything that he's called us to do. Now, did you hear what I said? He's given us enough time to do what he has called us to do. Sometimes our problem is not that that there's not enough time. Sometimes the problem is that I have taken on things that are not God's priorities. But if it's God's priority, he has given me the time. And, And we need to, we can just listen to what he says through Paul's pen, Ephesians 5. Paul says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And what marks a wise man in this instance is this, verse 16, making... The most of your time for the days are evil. Making the most of your time uh, because the days are evil. And what's interesting there is that's not a verse for time management as you think about structuring a particular day. I had a, um, a professor in seminary who was talking when we first came into seminary about how to orient time and how to maximize time. So he said, you know, uh, when I'm driving, I always have a book on the seat next to me, and when I get to a red light, I open the book and I read. Well, okay, good for you. Uh, I, that was before the advent of cell phones. I hope he didn't learn to read before while he was driving on his cell phone, on his Kindle app. Um, that, that's great. So he's redeemed over the course of a day five or ten minutes of reading time. And, and th- that's fine, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is using the word for time that doesn't relate to chronology like 505, 510, 515, 520. It's using the word that is much broader than that and it it references times and seasons. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is know what season it is. And within that season, there are events that are happening that are evil and you need to make most of that season to buy back that season, to redeem that season so that you'll be effective in carrying out what God's called you to do in that season. And that just fits everything, doesn't it? I mean, there are ministry seasons, there are parenting seasons, there are husband and wifing kinds of seasons, there are work seasons. And at different times, you have different opportunities and you need to be aware of that and how those things are changing. When I came here as a pastor, I came, I was 20 seven, I turned 28 a month later and I had all the time in the world. And I just, I just didn't think about retirement. I was just hoping to make it a year. Seriously. If I can just make it a year and they fire me, at least, at least I've got a year of experience, right? And that's all I was focused on. And now 33 years later, that's gone like that. Now, just about every single day, I think, what, what are the last 10 to 20 years of my ministry going to look like? Because I'm in a whole different season now than I was then. And I need to be thinking about those kinds of things. And you need to be thinking about those kinds of things as well. Thirdly, 
God has given us a finite amount of time on earth to accomplish his goal for us. One of my best friends in seminary said, had a t-shirt that said almost that very thing. God has, I believe that God has given me a certain amount of time or a certain number of tasks to do on this earth. Right now, I'm so far behind, I'm going to live forever. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. And his grace is sufficient for every circumstance. And his power is proven and demonstrated in our weakness. We need to be aware of the finiteness. Um, So James chapter 4, you do not know what tomorrow will be like, and you need to plan accordingly, is James' admonition. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 12, that's not in your notes, Luke 12, 20, addressing the uh, foolish man who stored up all his treasures, not knowing that he would lose his life that night. He just was living as if I've got infinite amount of time. Now, we do have infinite amount of time, but not on earth. It's a very abbreviated season that we have here. And we need to be attentive to that. And 2 Corinthians 12 is so helpful in so many different ways. Um, He will give you sufficient grace for whatever your seasons are. My expectations, fourth principle, for the use of my time and other people's expectations for the use of my time are secondary to God's expectations for the use of my time. So do people have expectations for you? Okay, so like two of you, yes. (laughs) Yeah, people have expectations. Sometimes they wouldn't even be able to quantify that, right? So if you've got a three-year-old child or a three-year-old grandchild, they have expectations, but they can't quantify that I've got that expectation. But there is an expectation there. Um. And others have expectations about how you will respond and how you will interact and how you will use your time. And you have expectations, right? So I don't know about you guys. I use Google Calendar pretty extensively and I've got my week mapped out and I keep things on my calendar. So I'm charting what do I have, what do I not have, when are my meetings. I've got all the alerts set up and every week... On Sunday afternoon, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I pull up my calendar and I go through the calendar. Who do I need to start contacting about meetings to confirm this week and that kind of thing? And then I've got a to-do list that I put on every Tuesday. The things I need to do that week. And I just copy and paste from this week Tuesday to next week Tuesday. And I just go through that list and say, okay, who are the people I need to contact? What are the notes I need to write? What are the projects I need to be working on, et cetera? And I just fill that thing out. I delete two things that I did last week and I add seven more that I need to do this week, right? You know, you know the drill. And so I keep track of that. That's my expectation for that week. And then you're going to have interruptions that come into that. Right? How are you going to respond to that? Honestly, I spent multiple years uh, as a pastor um, when people would interrupt and people would walk in the door. Back in those days, there was no secretary. There was no answering machine on the telephone. I, I I was the only guy in the building. And the building was unlocked. And the doors were all open. And if I was there, people were going to come in and see me. And I would see that. And experience that and just get frustrated. And we're biblical counselors. What's a good word for frustration? Anger. Yeah, right? I'd get angry. And I wouldn't see that as God's intrusion on my life. I'd see that as a, even a sinful intrusion on my life. You know, because I can't meet my agenda. And uh, the Lord, when he's bringing those things into our schedule... That's his order for your day. He's taking your Google calendar and he's throwing it away and saying, I've gotten something better for you. So I learned, I learned something. This may help you. I don't know. Um, I learned to ask myself and even pray this. Am I content with the Lord's schedule for my day to day? And I would pray that. I prayed that prayer daily for a very long time. I don't do that often anymore because... Um, it's really not much of an issue for me anymore. But um, that is something I prayed. Lord, make me content. I've got to be content and help me to be content. Um, 
Mark chapter 1. The story of Jesus. It was after the busiest day of His ministry that we have recorded in Scripture. There may have been other busier days, but this is the busiest one that's been recorded in Scripture. It tells us in Mark 1, verse 35, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And so in that moment, I'm, I'm sure Jesus, having a physical body like you and me, um, and not be appropriating his infinite powers of omnipotence in that body, in that way, felt that weariness that you and I feel. After we put in a 20-hour day, and we get to bed after midnight, and the alarm goes off at 4.30. And that's the way he felt. And he got up, and he went, and went, went to pray. And Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. What's that? Other people's expectations. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. They have expectations, but I know the Lord's expectations. And so we need to be clear in our own heads, what is it that I want, what is it that others want, and what is it that the Lord wants in this moment, in this season, in this place, at that time. Five, life is at times exhausting and it was meant to be that way when you and i fall into bed at night and we are weary and played out and tired it may not be because we did the wrong things but because we did the right things the lord does so many things to make us aware of our need for him and our dependence on him so one of the things that my wife loves to do is cultivate gardens. She was delighted yesterday. I think she spent 10 or 12 hours outside. I mean, the weather was perfect, right? And it was sunny and the ground is relatively soft for, for our area. And she just had so much fun working outside. And she's talking about, you know, these plants and this and this survived and this survived and this survived too, right? It's amazing after the summer we had. And then she's talking about we need to replace this and we need to replace replace this. Now, along with all the plants in our yard, we also have a dog and a cat. And a regular thing on my Amazon budget is dog food and cat food. But something that's never on my Amazon budget is plant food. I never have to feed the plants. The plants never come and talk to me and say, feed me like my cat does. And isn't that interesting? God nourishes the plants just from ground water, ground nutrition in the ground. It's not dirt, by the way, it's soil. I got a lesson from my wife on that. So um, from the soil and the water and the sun and they get everything they need. Could the Lord have made us that way? Absolutely. He didn't. Why? To make us aware of our dependence. You think about your schedule and you spend roughly a quarter to a third of your life unconscious. And how many of us haven't said, I'll take those six hours, please. And the Lord could have made you that way. And he didn't. Why? to make you understand that you're dependent on Him and He is sufficient for the problem. So yeah, life is difficult. Life is uh, exhausting at times, but He has designed it that way to make us to lean on Him and trust Him. Um, He does it to teach us endurance and persistence. He does it to sanctify us, to make us dependent And oh, this little thing, so that he gets the glory. Because it's never about us. It's never been meant to be about us. Now, he uses us, and that's an astounding grace that he uses us. But it's never about us, it's always about him. As you're thinking about your own schedule and your own burdens, as you think about um, people that you're trying to help whose schedules are out of control, 
here are some heart issues. This is not going to be extensive, and you're probably already tracking with some of these kinds of things. But here's some things that you might want to consider. We do what we do because we want what we want. And what's the last part of that? Except Coyers can't answer that because I just told them. We do what we do because we want what we want. We want what we want because we think what we think or we believe what we believe. So there's a belief system that we have that drives our desires, that drives our actions. And so what we do is just the tip of the iceberg. And you need to just not just plumb it down, plumb down to find out the wants and desires but you need to find out what is the belief system. My calendar and my choices are a reflection of my motives. So, you know, how many of you have also said along with me, don't tell me what you want. Show me your calendar and show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what you want. Right? So, Our calendars inform and reveal our desires. Busyness doesn't happen to us. Just like anger doesn't happen to us. We choose busyness. uh, Just like we choose anger. We need to learn to pursue God's glory with our schedule and not self-glory. So here's, here's one, Colossians 3, 16. Um, you're familiar with this. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That verse is telling us how to be filled with the spirit. You're filled with the spirit when you're filled with the word, controlled by the word. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts toward God. And the outflow of that, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So be controlled by the word of God, verse 16, let that drive what you do. And as you do what you do, do it for God's glory and not for self-glory. And isn't it true that sometimes our schedules are about self-glory? And not God glory. I've heard of people like that. Like maybe at my house. And not my wife. Am I narrowing it down enough? (laughs) Let your use of time be directed by God's priorities for you. Um, We've talked about that. Deuteronomy 29.29. You're familiar with that, right? The, the, The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to you. Right, So he has revealed to us, he's told us his priorities, his directives, his purpose. And let's let our use of time uh, reflect that. Godliness is hard work. Make the effort of practicing godliness. And it does take practice, doesn't it? Right. So working out your schedule is something you're going to need to practice on, cultivate, work at. Cultivate gratitude every day in every circumstance in every season of life. Uh, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In most things, give thanks because that's the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And I don't know what your season is. Um, I have seasons that are relatively refreshing and the pace is nice and the pace is manageable. And then I have other seasons. And both of them are opportunities for gratitude. And we need to be thinking about it in those kinds of ways. And just just by way of reminder, just just to orient ourselves, I think in our culture, um, we, we are deluded into thinking everything ought to be fast and easy. And it's, it, it's frankly hard, at this point, it's hardwired into our culture. Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast. Why does he say be steadfast? Because the propensity is to move and to run. Be immovable. Bedrock, nailed down. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why does he say always abounding? Because the temptation is not to. 
knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And he uses a word there for toil that means, you know, it's the sweaty, hard work, gutted out, grunt, hard work. Yesterday afternoon, if you'd come by the building, and maybe some of you who live locally did, you would have seen right right behind me on the ground, we had a trench. It's not the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is. We had a trench like, what's this, six plus feet wide, this deep, almost uh, probably 50 to 70 feet long. There was a day when that kind of trench would have been dug by hand. We had a water problem. We still have a water problem. But (laughs) we have water flowing in the building today, so that's the good news. Um, There was a day when that would have been dug by hand. That's what this word is talking about. That's toil. Just know that when you're laboring in that way for the Lord, it's not in vain. It's not wasted. It's hard. Absolutely, it's hard. You will weep over some of your counselees. I have some. I've had some. And you have too. And you will beg and you will plead. I had one earlier this year. And I just was almost weeping. and saying, please don't do this. Please don't. If you do this, you will really complicate your life. There's a way out. And here's the way out. Please. And I gave multiple options. And he turned around and walked out the door. And it's really complicated. And my heart weeps. And and that's not the only one, right? I mean, there's... There there are a lot of those. That's hard work. No, it's not in vain. It doesn't mean everyone is going to turn out the way you want it, but it means it's not in vain. When you serve the Lord, you can get to the judgment day and He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that means it wasn't in vain. You were faithful to Him and that's what He's looking for. Um... Be willing to be used up for the sake of people. Invest in them. Friends, what we do is about people. And we've got projects and we've got, when we have 250 people come into our building and uh, we're going to be serving food and they're going to be here all day, we know we need water. Right, so ministry yesterday became about water. How can we get water into the building? How can we make sure we have water? But it's not water for the sake of water. It's not buildings for the sake of buildings. It's buildings and water for the sake of people. It's about caring for people. It's always about people. I've given you a a number of verses there. You you know this. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, a a section that I hope is very familiar to you. The things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's four generations. And he's seeing this lineage of people that have taken the word of God and they've built it into others and they've built it into others and those have built it into others. And there are some very clear lineages in my life just like that. I'm generation three. My children are generation four. This body is generation four. And I look back and I thank God that that man that built into my father, that built into me, was faithful and said it's about people and it's about shepherding and it's about caring. Listen, people don't get in the way of ministry. People are ministry. That's why we're here. That's one heart issue. Second one. Disorganization and lack of direction may be a reflection of a lack of self-control and a lack of discipline. Um, I'm not trying to get in the kitchen and meddle. I'm not trying to move from preaching to meddling. Um, But some of us struggle with organization. Some of us are CDO. You know what CDO is, don't you? 
CDO is a lot like OCD, except the letters are in the right order the way they should be. Some of us struggle with that. Uh, Some of us struggle with lack of organization um, and the lack of structure. Your time issues may be because you just haven't taken the time to be disciplined with the calendar. It may be that there is enough time. And I just encourage you, organize your daily and weekly calendar around your life goals and your life priorities. And then... You can make your decisions. I've got, I've got an email sitting in my inbox right now that's going to get answered probably by Monday morning. And I've got to think through. I've had this request and I've got to see, yes, it, I know it fits the priorities. The question is, that can it fit the calendar? And then I'll tell them either yes or no. And so you've got to have a clear in your head. What are my priorities? Where do I spend my time? What's vital? Though my children are 27 and 30 now, that's astounding to say, but though they're 27 and 30, when my kids call, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to spend time with them. Um, When other people call, when the elders call me, I'm answering the call. When my wife calls me, I'm, I'm there. When church members call, I try to be there, but I can't always. Sometimes I send somebody else. But I've got that all comes out of what are the priorities of my life? Where has God put me? And whose call am I going to answer? And whose call am I not going to answer? Um, when my brother is texting me at 10 at night about how the Rangers are losing again, <laughs> probably not going to answer him. In fact, I'm probably going to turn his notifications off. I actually did that last week. Not because I don't like my brother, I do. We have a great relationship. I just don't need to hear that at 10 o'clock at night. Um, so some of us just need to learn organization, right? And it, I, I know it's hard, but it's reflecting. Your, your struggle with your schedule is because of a lack of discipline, and that needs transformation. Lack of discipline may reflect the fact that we haven't considered the blessings of faithfulness. This comes from Kevin Carson. Uh, and I just thought this was really helpful. What, what do you get when you're faithful? What do you get when you work hard? You have stability under pressure. You save yourselves and those who hear you, right? So there's an authenticity to your message. That's from First Timothy chapter 4. Um, You will encourage others by using the gifts that God has given us. So you don't just say to your disciple, hey, go use your spiritual gift. And they don't see you using yours. But when they see you using yours and being poured out, they go, hey, he's being poured out. I can I can up my game a little bit and serve the Lord a little bit more. And you encourage them and stimulate them. God will be honored. And isn't that why we live? I pray regularly. Um, number of prayers, not just God be glorified, prayers like what um, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease, right? So, Lord, I want you to be exalted, I want you to be lifted up, and whatever happens to me is fine, just as long as Christ is magnified. That's our goal. We'll receive eternal blessing, and not suffer loss. That's First First Corinthians three. That's the judgment seat of Christ for believers. So not judgment for um, hell, but judgment for the blessings that we receive when we are in heaven. Is it altruistic to work for the reward of God? It's like that. Don't we just don't we just rip the heart out of that when we say I, I'm working for for the reward that the Lord will give at the end of the day? No. (laughs) It's not because He's told us He's going to give it to us. He has given that to us as a motive. Have you you guys seen this verse? John chapter 12. This This is amazing. John chapter 12. Um... And I know you know this, right? Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. I love my life 
I'm willing to lose it. And he doesn't say it yet, but he's giving the implication, I'm willing to lose it for what I'm going to get on the other side. I'm living for the reward. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it the self for, for life eternal. In other words, don't have the petty goal of what you're going to get here that's going to be burned up and gone. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Watch this. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Is that not stunning? He will honor you. Part of that is, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. And part of that is other rewards in heaven as well. You'll be honored. And and Jesus throws that out as the motive. We're working for the honor of the Lord. So don't just say, oh, no, I don't want to live for reward. No, live for reward. But just choose the right one. Choose that one, not this one. Um, Here's some hard examining questions you might consider both for yourself and for your counselee. Since our motive in all time and priority decisions is the glory of God, does this reveal God's nature and God's character? Does it honor him or does it honor me? So as you're thinking about decisions, as you're thinking about schedule, as you're thinking about time priorities, that's one of the questions you want to ask. Is my work a manifestation of flesh work or spirit work? Is this done um, as a fruit of the Spirit working in my life, or is it done as a manifestation of the flesh working in my life? Uh, Is it Spirit-empowered, or is it flesh-self-empowered? Is this activity an essential part of my calling, or is it because I am seeking the approval of men? Just, I don't know about you, but that one is helpful for me. Star that, asterisk, circle, And it goes to, you've got to understand what's my calling and particularly what's my calling in this season. So for two people in this world, I still carry the name dad. But in this season, dad looks really different than it did 25 years ago. 25 years ago, it meant on Saturday morning, I was getting up and making cereal. Well, that ship has sailed. Praise God for that. But it does mean that I have very different. And honestly, don't if you're not there yet, I hate to burst your bubble. Don't think it's going to get easy time-wise. <laughs> For those of you who have adult children, you know that they can be they can be significant intrusions on your schedule. But you embrace those. Why? Because your title is dad or mom. And that doesn't change. But the way you do it changes. So just be aware. What what's my season? What are all my roles? What are the responsibilities the Lord has given to me? Is my busyness a reflection of laziness? That is, am I doing too many small things because I'm unwilling to do the biggest and hardest things? It's, you know, and, and this, this is on a daily basis as well, right? I mean, it's easy to come into the office and you turn on the computer. Well, I'll just handle some email. Well, I've got that phone call to make. I'll write some notes. And what's the task of the day? It's Tuesday. That, for me, Tuesday means it's head down studying the text for Sunday. And if I don't get it done on Tuesday, Wednesday's counseling and meetings day, it's not happening then. And now I've really created a problem for myself for Thursday and Friday. Well, is that hard work? Yeah. Okay. Put your head down and get it done. And don't, don't get distracted by the little things. And, the, the, you know, the, you can go, oh, I've got 12 chick, tick marks off the, my schedule. I dumped 12 things off my to-do list. Yeah, but you missed the one that was priority. And so some of that, is out of the out of procrastination and laziness. To that end, does my procrastination demonstrate a belief that I've been given unlimited time? Uh, we've talked about that already. Have I pursued God's revealed will to direct my schedule and my calendar? Am I doing the right thing in this moment, in this season of time? What should I be doing in this season and time of my life? And am I content and joyful serving others? even if my goals are not immediately met. Which really goes to 
how am I going to see the Lord's working in my life, right? So here's a, here's a little chart that I came across 20 years ago that made so much sense to me because people think about priorities and think about responsibilities and, they, and, and the, typical, the typical way of thinking about it is, well, God is first, family is second, and what? I am third, right? In fact, there was a whole movement just a few years ago, a whole set of commercials and stuff, I am third. And, um, and that's often the way people think about it. And I have found this to be much more helpful. I think this is in your chart. Helps push the next button. So that wheel is my life. And at the heart and center of my life is Christ. God's not first. God is center. And the difference is, you may say, well, that doesn't sound any different. No, no, no. It's massively different. Because if God is first, then I just tick off 10 minutes at the beginning of the day and I'm done with God and I can move on. And what this wheel does is it makes God an integral part of everything I do. He's not one part of my life. He is my life. This is Philippians 121, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's my everything. It's Colossians 3. Then out of my relationship with Christ are all kinds of other responsibilities. Now that's where things are going to change uh, for, for us. Many of us, most of us have spouses. Some of us have children. Some of us have children who are young. Some of us have children who are older and out of the home, sometimes way out of the home. So children might become grandchildren. For some of you, you may have a significant role with great-grandchildren as well. And that's part of that block. Some have a work wheel. Um, others in retirement don't have that work component, right? All of us have some kind of ministry. We have the Spirit of God. God's given us gifting. And so in some way, we're engaged in ministry, uh, either formally or informally, uh, paid or unpaid, but we all have a ministry component. Then there's a, a section of the wheel that's rest and leisure, some of us, that's small. Some of us, that's bigger and wider. And that tends to flex day by day and week by week. Then there are home responsibilities. Um, when I got home yesterday, my wife said, I mowed the yard today. And, and I, I just looked at her and said, thank you. Because it wasn't going to happen today. And uh, we've got conference tomorrow. It's not happening tomorrow. And it's not going to happen Saturday. And we have company coming after church on Sunday. It's not happening Sunday. And we're headed out of town on Monday. So thank you. Um, so we have home responsibilities, right? And sometimes we have capacity to do some of those things. And sometimes we have minimal capacity. Then there's civic involvement. You know, how are we engaging with culture? And then there are other things as well. And everybody's is going to flex. Now, every day you have 24 hours to finish that wheel. Every week you have 168 hours to finish that wheel. And what, what happens in that wheel is things ebb and flow, right? So some weeks you have a, some weeks you have a 28 hour work week, right? But that's not the norm. Normally it's 40 with gusts to 50 and maybe up to 60 for some of you. Um, if you have children in the home, some weeks it's, hey, you know, this has been a pretty cruise control kind of week. You know, everything kind of worked. Nobody was sick. And then, you know, there's the baby that's colicky for three months. And that impacts how you're going to spend time with your kids, right? So all those things ebb and flow. And what we want to do is we want to keep that in balance. So for your life, there's going to be a particular segment that normally goes to work, that normally goes to family, that normally goes to spouse, that normally goes to ministry. And for your life to work right, it needs to stay within those parameters time-wise. And some weeks, they get out of balance a little bit. And that's okay. But you can't stay out of balance. Something needs, to, something needs to come back in order. When they stay out of balance, then you've lost your perspective of what's the season that I'm in and what do I need to be doing. So last week, um, my kids gave me for my birthday in September some money to buy tickets to a Ranger playoff game. <laughs> 
I think I needed to go more often because they've been losing ever since I stopped going. I went to one game and they won. And they've lost all their home games since. Um, so that night, that day was a really short work day and a really long leisure part of my day, right? And I got home really late and it was a short night of sleep. Well, I can do that once. But my budget and my body can't take that on an ongoing basis, right? So that needs to shrink back. And so I need to put things back in order. And that wheel just helps me think, is something staying perpetually out of order or is it coming back into order? So here are some things that you might think about in relation to that wheel. Do your daily goals and activities reflect and flow out of your life goal of following Christ? So that wheel just keeps us reminded as well, right, that everything flows out of fellowship with Christ and a desire to cultivate that. How do your daily goals and activities reflect the unique way that God has created and gifted you? So everybody's different. Um, even this is, I think, where couples sometimes have some difficulties, right? So that the husband says, this is my life goal. And the wife says, this is my life goal. And they are both life goals that honor Christ. But they, they're they not fitting well together for the two of them to live together. Well, you've got to come together and say, what is our, because we're one flesh, what is our one flesh goal that comes out of our life with Christ? And you've got to think about that clearly. Um, have you thought about your life purpose? So why why does God have me here? Um, So I have on here, you might think about crafting a life purpose statement. In In all honesty, I don't have one. But it's really clear in my head about why I'm here and how my life needs to be oriented. So I don't have a life statement um, a life purpose, if you will, a purpose statement for my life, but I know where I'm headed. Um, but maybe doing something like that would be helpful for you. Have you considered the changing uh, use of time and goals in the changing seasons of life? We've talked about that some. Are you doing what is important and essential, not just fun and interesting? Um, I, mean, I have some friends Nobody here that I can think of immediately, so I'm not impugning anybody's character here, but I have some some friends that it's like, it's always about fun. It's always about the next ball game. It's always about the next concert. It's always about the next... It's like, where do you get the time and the money for all that? Well, is it fun? Yeah. But it comes at a cost, doesn't it, of other things as well. So the Lord has given us life to enjoy but not just for entertainment and being entertained um so have you have you considered doing what is most important and most essential are your activities generally rightly balanced in time and energy or are you perpetually unbalanced spending a disproportionate amount of time on one or more items and if that's the case then what's motivating your ungodly use of time? What's your heart desire? What is it you're wanting? You do what you do because you want what you want. You want what you want because you believe what you believe. And when somebody's schedule gets out of whack, it's not because others are putting pressure on them and they have no ability to say no. They can say no. But they're doing what they're doing because they're getting something out of it that's feeding their desire, fulfilling their desire. When you figure out that, then the schedule can change. And that's what you're going to look for. And then just on a more practical level, what must you do to discipline your life according to God's priorities? So, um, earlier I told you about my wife's evaluation about my ministry priorities 20-something years ago. And in the 20 years since then, I can say unequivocally that her life has gotten busier and my life has gotten busier, like a lot busier. Um, Honestly, I don't have any clue what a 40-hour work week looks like. It's for sure 50 with gusts to 60 and more, I'm sure. People ask me all the time, "What what day do you take off? I take off Saturday morning. I'm in the office or working Monday to Friday and a fair number of evenings. Sunday is Sunday, and Saturday afternoon to evening, I'm getting ready for Sunday. 
And that's the cadence and it's been that way for a long time. Um, and then you throw in things like funerals and it's like you can throw everything out the schedule. And the kids are grown now. I've alluded to that. Uh, they don't need daily attention. You might know this. But when they do need attention, it's not a 10-minute conversation. It's a half day at least. Because we've got, in fact, that was this week, Tuesday. Okay, family meeting in Fort Worth. And it was from the time we left to the time we got back, it was on the order of six hours. So, you know, it's no, hey, let me pop into the kid's room and have that 10-minute conversation. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> um so life is, life is really busy. The good news is, one of the pieces of good news is we're still married. We still love each other. And I'm still pastoring the same church I was pastoring more than 20 years ago when that comment was made. And the question is, does she still feel that way? Does she still say, everything you do is ministry, I always lose. You can ask her. She's sitting right there. I ask her all the time. I won't say monthly, but multiple times a year, I'll ask her, how are we doing? Are you losing? And she always says no. I'll leave and then you can ask her. <laughs> um, life is really full. But out of that wheel, when I'm home, I'm home and I'm engaged. And she knows if she needs me, she has me. And even if she doesn't need me, she might have me anyway. And there have been times after vacation when we've both been ready for the schedule to get back to normal, right? So there's that engagement. And I say that not as a way to say I've got it figured out because it's a, it's a fight, I'll say almost every day, not fight between us, but just it's, it's a fight and a battle to keep things under control. But it can be done because the problem isn't our schedules. Our problem is the way we prioritize our, our time and our schedules and how we think about life and how we think about our desires. And that's the primary issue in our lives.